And it's because of these outward and inward trials, we strive to teach the truth of the word of God. I know personally that if our foundation is strong in the word of God, then we will be able to endure the trials of this life, no matter what may be thrown at us. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. So today we're going to look at a passage that I titled, To Die and Live Together. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, I broke it into five parts. Verse 1 having these promises, verses 2 through 4, to die and live together, verses 5 through 7, Paul's comfort and rejoicing, verses 8 through 12, regret and no regret, and 13 through 16, Paul's confidence. And Father, I pray that you would, as the last song that we sung before our teaching today, change our hearts, Lord that, Lord, you would help us to cleanse both outwardly and inwardly, that we would have this perfecting of holiness in our lives. As Scripture tells us, be ye holy because I am holy. So, Lord, you have set a high standard for us. It is a standard, Lord, that you do not expect us to make on our own. You have not only given us Christ as our Savior, but you have filled us with your Spirit, that you could enable us to walk in a way that is pleasing to you. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to do that. As we hear your words preached this day, we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Next, we see in verses 2 through 4, to die and live together. I'll read the context for us. Open your hearts to us. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have defrauded no one. I do not say this to condemn, for I have said before that you are in our hearts to die together and to live together. Great is my boldness of speech toward you. Great is my boasting on your behalf. I am filled with comfort. I am exceedingly joyful in all our tribulation to die and to live together. He began calling for the Corinthians to open their hearts to Paul and his missionary team. Paul said, we have wronged no one. We discover 
reading over the epistles of 1st and 2nd Corinthians that, as I had mentioned earlier, there were those who came and attacked the ministry of Paul. And Paul now has set to defend that ministry. He says, we have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have cheated no one. They were saying that Paul and his ministry team, they've been accused of having this self-centered ministry instead of a God-centered ministry. Instead of having Christ-centered motives. And although accused of wronging, of corrupting, of cheating, the Corinthians, Paul said, ha, not us. We have, we have corrupted no one. We have cheated no one. We have wronged no one. Paul wrote earlier in 2 Corinthians 4, 2, saying, But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness or handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. He had earlier said that we have not handled the word of God deceitfully. We were not trying to be crafty. It was no bait and switch trying to bring people into the kingdom of God. And we find today that in the church, often they, they use kind of a bait and switch tactic to try to bring people into the kingdom of God. Paul spoke the truth. Before the people, whether they wanted to receive it or not, he spoke the truth of the word of God and he let the consequences fall wherever they might land. As a father to his children, Paul spoke not only in condemnation, but in truth. Because the children of Corinth, the church of Corinth, had the special place in his heart. He said, whether we die or we live, we do so together. First Thessalonians 2.8. He had the same love for the church of Thessalonica where he wrote, So affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but our own lives because you had become dear to us. That's what Paul was doing. He was spending his own life because the church was so dear to him. He was willing to give it all. So we find in verse 4 this great boldness in boasting. He said, great is my boldness of speech towards you. Great is my boasting on your behalf. Because of his great affection for the Corinthians, Paul wrote to correct their mistakes, their misunderstanding, their sins that they have. In fact, Paul actually boasted to the other churches about the Corinthians. It wasn't that he was so angry with them that it, this was merely a corrective letter. He was showing them how much I love you guys. I boasted about you guys to other churches. Understanding God's great work in their life, Paul, it filled him with comfort. It made him exceedingly joyful in all their troubles. He said, we have been filled with comfort. We are joyful even amid the troubles of our lives. Again, First Thessalonians to the church of Thessalonica, Paul wrote chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. Therefore, brethren, in all our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith, 
For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. So as parents, when a child gets in trouble, sometimes all we need to know is that they're okay. The older you are and the older your children get, that never goes away, by the way. Uh, you're concerned for your children. Sometimes you hear that they're struggling and you just want to know they're okay. Sometimes today in this day and age for my son who lives in Hawaii and the distance is very far, even getting a text brings relief on a certain day. Maybe I hadn't heard from him for a day or two for whatever reason. I think about that and I want to have this daily contact and I probably saw my dad once a week at church. There was no daily contact back then, but we are so connected that we think, why isn't he responding? Why isn't she answering me? Well, maybe we're asking much in the day and age that we live in. But the work of ministry is a very similar way. For Paul, for me, it's wanting to see that those who have come to faith underneath the ministry that the Lord has given you, or maybe those who have come to your church as a believer, but they have grown in their faith and then they go off somewhere else. You just want to know that they are doing well. And sometimes during trials as pastors along with church members, it may seem as if the work is not truly worth the heartache. Sometimes the trials can be so great. It can seem, you know, Lord, is this really worth it? When times like this come, it is because when we are questioning God, saying, Lord, I don't know if this is worth it. I believe it's because we're viewing the work from an earthly perspective and not from a heavenly perspective. When a church is willing to die and to live together, the Holy Spirit is free to move upon that church with the power of the gospel that leads many to salvation. I think this is a key from the message that we get today. Our willingness, are we going to be like Paul and say we are willing to die together and to live together? I believe that when a church is willing to die and to live together, there comes the power of God to free people from their sins. Both Christians and unbelievers. Unbelievers bringing them into faith, of course. As we get into verses 5 through 7, we find Paul's comfort and rejoicing. In verses 5 through 7, I'll read the context for us. For indeed, when we came to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest. But we were troubled on every side. Outside were conflicts, inside were fears. Nevertheless, God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming but also by the consolation with which he was comforted in you when he told us of your earnest desire, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced even more. Paul's comfort and rejoicing. That comfort and rejoicing, notice he said, when we were in troubles, conflicts, and fears in verse 5. We find that as we put the epistles of 1st and 2nd Corinthians together, we find, I've already mentioned, that there was conflict against Paul and his ministry, those who have come saying that 
They're not true apostles of Christ. They're not teaching the whole gospel. Paul is defending his position in Christ. Also, we learn in 1 Corinthians that a letter Paul had received caused him to pen that first letter to deal with some issues in the church that needed correcting. Now, Paul had sent that letter out and possibly a second letter as well. He does mention another letter in 2 Corinthians that we do not have today. But now he is writing 2 Corinthians after hearing from Titus. But before he heard from Titus, he was troubled. He had no rest. He said we were troubled on every side. It Apparently, we do know that Titus delivered this letter to the Corinthians. He may have delivered the letter of 1 Corinthians or Paul sent him to check on the church itself to see how they received that first letter. But Paul hadn't heard from Titus. He was worried. He was troubled. He was very concerned. Remember, as a parent, sometimes if you haven't heard from a child, you're just wanting to see. When our son, I'm going to have to pick on him today, but when he was getting messed up on drugs and alcohol, and uh, we lived in a subdivision, he had an eclipse with a Uh, I think a five-inch exhaust on it. The thing was loud, and you could hear it before it even entered our subdivision. But if it was one o'clock in the morning, and I heard the exhaust of his car, there was this peace that came over me, knowing that he was coming home. If I didn't hear that, often I would often get up and look out the window. At the time, the subdivision was so knew that I could look out and see the entrance of our subdivision. You couldn't do that now because of the trees and the homes that have been built. But just waiting to hear, there was this anxiety in our hearts, both Lily and I. And we lived this way for several years. Thankfully, God's grace is greater than our troubles, and God got a hold of our son's heart once again. Paul is in one of these situations where he's telling them that we were troubled from the outside and from the inside, having no rest, not hearing from Titus. It apparently he went to Ephesus, not finding, uh, writing the letter from Ephesus. They went to Troas, not finding uh, Titus in Troas. They went to Macedonia. And even though there was opportunity for the gospel in Troas to be proclaimed, not having rest in his soul, they went over to Macedonia. It was there in Macedonia where Titus finally caught up to them where he tells us in 2 Corinthians 2, verses 12 and 13, Furthermore, when I come to Troas to preach the gospel, the door was opened to me by the Lord. I had no rest in my spirit because I did not find Titus, my brother. But taking leave of them, I departed for Macedonia. While in Macedonia, Paul is writing to us now saying that we were troubled on every side. Outwardly, they had conflicts from the enemy of the gospel. Inwardly, they were filled with fear. First Thessalonians, again, I'll lean on this epistle. First Thessalonians 3, 5, it says, For this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you, and our labor might have been in vain. It seemed that Paul had the same heart with the Corinthians here. He sent Titus to know how they were doing. He wanted to know. Like a good father, Paul was concerned about his spiritual children, wanting to know that the faith that they had gotten a hold of in Jesus Christ 
had remained to that day. We also live in an age where there are outward conflicts and also inward fears. And they seem to be in abundance. Reports came out this week, as I mentioned earlier, there were more suicides last month than any time in the last 10 months. The people are without hope. And they're taking their lives as a result of it. We live in this age where there are outward conflicts. We cannot deny that. There are also inward fears. Again, we cannot deny that. And it's because of these outward and inward trials, we strive to teach the truth of the word of God. I know personally that if our foundation is strong in the word of God, then we will be able to endure the trials of this life, no matter what may be thrown at us. Remember Jesus when he talked about the two men who built houses, two separate houses, one built on sand and the other built on a firm foundation? You know, you get these mental pictures of some of these parables in Scripture. And it was a few years ago that I realized as Jesus taught this parable, one building on the sand, the other building on a firm foundation, that in both situations, the storms came. Just a few years ago, our neighborhood got hit by a hailstorm. In less than 10 minutes, uh, Lily and I had over $16,000 in damages on our two vehicles. We had 11 of our 17 windows damaged. One broke through, which was a blessing because the hail got on our wood floor and they had to refinish all the wood floor. We swept it up as quickly as possible. Um, by the way, I had hernia surgery on that same day. I was boarding up a window that same night. We got a new roof, new siding, new windows. Our cars got fixed, except for Lily's. Hers was too old. So if you want to see the damage, just go out in the parking lot. And that was less than 10 minutes. But the house still stood. See, I used to look at this parable, and I think the storms came and they endured and I had this thought that the house was fine. And now, I guess maybe because I've had a, a real lesson in this in life, though the house was damaged, the house still stood. The foundation was still good. Storms in life may come, even as believers in Christ, and we may get pinged up, we may get damaged, we may get injured, but we have the firm foundation of God and his word, faith through Jesus Christ. We are able to stand, we are able to endure. And that is what is important. At times of outward conflicts, inward fears, when Paul and their ministry team, their spirits were downcast, they were very low. God sent Titus to revive their hearts. They were not only comforted by Titus's coming, but also by the good report that he had brought them about the Corinthians. This word for comforted is uh, paracletus. Uh, this one actually, comfort is Paracleo and consolation is paracletus. So two different words, very similar. They both have this sense of calling near, someone to come alongside. They were giving this comfort. They found this help. God, along with his word, 
That is what it does for us. And sometimes it's not just the word of God. It's not just Christ in us, but it's a brother or sister coming alongside to walk alongside us. Titus brought them comfort by telling them of the Corinthians' earnest desire, their mourning, their zeal for Paul. It made Paul rejoice. They had received Paul's correction and desire to walk in fellowship with the Lord and his church. Philippians 2, verses 1 and 2, Paul said, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. The consolation, the comfort of God causes, should cause his people to rejoice. May I encourage you today, even before we close out this message, I'm just putting a teaser out there. If you have not built your life upon the firm foundation of Jesus Christ, it is the only way that you are going to endure both the outward and the inward storms of this life right now. May I encourage you today to give your heart to Jesus. I believe committing our lives as believers in Christ in such a way we would and will see the power of God work in amazing ways in our midst. It's my hope that you have received the mercies of God. It is because of God's great grace that he sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to pay the price of our sin. It's because of Jesus, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension to the right hand of the Father, that salvation has been made available to whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord. Here at Calvary Chapel of Lake Villa, we have a motto that says, believe, receive, grow, and go. And the Bible tells us in Hebrews eleven six, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For those who come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The first step of salvation comes by believing that there is a God, believing that he is. But it's not just believing that there is a God. There are a lot of people in our world that believe that there is a God. And there are a lot of people in our world who have not yet received his son, Jesus Christ, as their savior. So the second part of that motto Believe, receive. Romans 5.17 tells us, For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Those who receive this abundant grace, this gift of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. We have to receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. But that's not the end of it. While we're living upon this earth, the Lord has called us to grow in our faith. We're not just to be baby Christians the rest of our life. Wah, I want my bottle. Second <laughs> Peter 3.18 says, But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. We are to be growing Christians. But the fourth point of that motto, go. The Lord commissioned us to go 
in Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And then the Lord's blessed promise. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Jesus said, go. And he also said, when you go, I'll be with you. Father, we thank you so much for your word that was presented to us today for Paul's great desire, his longing for the church of Corinth. And Lord, we see in this chapter things that, Lord, we can relate to personally today in our own life, our own ministry, in our church. It is my prayer, Lord, that we would be a church that would be willing to have such a boldness to say, whether we die together or live together, Christ be glorified. Lord, I pray that we would be such a church and that your spirit would move upon this church in ways, Lord, that would be beyond our dreams. May your grace be upon us. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today. And may the Lord richly bless you as you worship him today.